Lord and God bless you. This is the podcast of the Refuse Temple Church located at 152 North Main Street in Burlington, North Carolina, where our pastor is Bishop Reginald J. Davis. This podcast is brought to you on the following streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts. Thank you again for joining us. Please enjoy as our Bishop Davis speaks. We're going to begin reading at verse 25. St. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. When you have it, say amen. And please bear with me. I need to read a little bit so that we can get the context of today's message. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast said right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passeth by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he sat at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? He said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Bless you, you can be seated. I want to talk today, and this is going to be a series of teaching and preaching for a little bit. Broken people and the people that love them. Broken people and the people that love them. This message has been in my spirit for a while, and... I was waiting on the unction of the Holy Spirit to share and to try to unpack what the Lord was putting in my spirit to give. And what compelled me to share this message is just some observations that I've made about the church in this generation. And when I speak of this generation, I'm not talking about just young people, because all of us are part of the church in this generation. 
If God let us live, we are all a part of the church. And I say that to say that we are also all responsible for the nature of the church in this generation. Whatever the church is and whatever the church is not, we are responsible for it. If we excel, it's because we're doing something in line with the word of God. And if we are faltering, it's because there are some things we are failing to do that the Lord requires of the church. And as I sat and observed and, and just kind of reflected, you know, I, I looked at what I see is a pervasive negativity among Christians, that we are just very negative about our faith, about our walk with God, about our particular congregations or ministries, and we wonder why we're hurting in terms of reaching the lost. But if you don't like what you do, why should anybody else participate? Come on, somebody. People that play basketball make it look so fun. Come on, so they make it look fun. I, I, you know, I, I, I wish I could play. I, I wish I could play. I wish I could play because I watch the way they move and the, the, the agility and the strength and the, the leaping and the jumping and the accuracy of shots. I'm like, Lord, if I could just play. Come on, somebody. They make me want to play when I can't play. My wife plays basketball better than me. And we went out playing one time in, in the neighborhood court, and she beat me and broke my glasses. And, and, and so, you know, I stopped playing. Come on, somebody. I'd rather watch them play now. But they make it look so that you want to do it. You want to do it. You want to do it. And, and we ought to be so excited about our walk with God that people ought to want to walk with God. Come on, somebody. We ought to be so enthused about knowing Jesus and about being connected with him that somebody ought to see you tomorrow and say, I don't know what you did last weekend, but it shows today. And that's your opportunity to say, you know what? I know Jesus. And he's been so good to me and he's blessed my life in so many ways. I wish I had a moment to share with you what God has done for me. But, but when they see us, they see a lot of cranky people sometimes. Cranky people, cranky looking, cranky acting. They say good morning to you and you just glare at them. And then wonder why nobody want to be saved. Because they met you on the way to church. Come on, somebody. <coughs> there appears to be, excuse me, a stalled spirit sitting on the church. That a lot of us look stuck. And, 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 I, and I wish everybody could have heard the messages that were preached during um, the regional conference. Because it all, to me, talked about moving forward. You can't sit where you always sat because you serve a progressive God. And I want to say this to this church and to everybody listening to me. I want to be where the Lord is, not where he was. <laughs> I don't know if y'all get that or not. I need to be where the Lord is. If he's moving next door, I'm going next door. Come on, somebody. I don't want to sit myself in a place where I'm just living out of what used to be paradigms. Because if God is eternal, 
He can't get stuck. And if we serve an eternal God, we can't be stuck. But we have to have the mindset that wherever God is leading me, that's where I have to go. Got to flow in his guidance. Got to flow in his direction. There's a nostalgia in the church now. You know, I've been saved um, 43 years. And I remember church in the early 70s and church in the 80s and the 90s. And I remember sometimes the excitement and the, and the, the, the pageantry of church in that generation. And some people look back at that and they say, well, those were the best days of the church. And if those were the best days of the church, we'd already be in glory. Okay, some of y'all missed that. If the Lord has kept us here, it's so that we can make a difference in this generation. And I said this last night. I said there's a reason why your rearview mirror is smaller than your windshield. Because you only look back to thank God for where he brought you from. But my windshield is larger because God is trying to take me somewhere. And I need to see where God is taking me. I, I need some of y'all to start looking forward. I need some of y'all to start moving forward. Because God's trying to take us somewhere. There's a lot of anger in the church. A lot of mad people come to church. And everything about them reflects their anger. Their body language, their testimonies, even their preaching sounds mad. They're like they're just mad at everybody. And, and they say, well, you know, you ask the preacher why he sounds so mad. I'm mad at the devil, but why are you hollering at me? You said you're mad at the devil. Why, why are you screaming at me? Why are you yelling at me when you're mad with the devil? And it's, it's pervasive that as I started praying, and this has been in my spirit for a while, so some of what I'm going to say you've heard before, that the Holy Spirit made it clear to me that there are a lot of broken people in church. Saved, but they're still broken. Sanctified, but they're still broken. Speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance, but they're still broken. Some of us got broken after we got saved because the devil couldn't stop you from getting saved. But he said, I'll make you dysfunctional in the house of God. I'll break you so much that you'll be dysfunctional sitting right in church. And, and when you're dysfunctional in church, you just don't do damage to yourself. You do damage to the folks worshiping with you. And, 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 and I shared this a while back when I preached this message, but I want to just reiterate this, that broken people are just like broken toys. They're dysfunctional. I don't know if some of y'all are too old to remember this, but you remember having your favorite toy and the doll's head falls off. Come on, somebody. You got her all dressed up and her head falls off. I got mad at my sister and I burned her Barbie doll 
What's the lamp? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Melted Barbie's little golden hair and melted her face. And Barbie just didn't look the same anymore when I got through. And so Barbie didn't mean as much to Judy after I got hold of Barbie. You know, remember when your, the tires fell off your truck? Come on, somebody. You tried to run across the floor on three wheels and wonder why it didn't go. And broken people are just, they're dysfunctional. There's somebody in here, there's something you're supposed to be doing for the kingdom, but you're broken. There's a calling on your life. There's a ministry you should be embraced in, but you're broken. And every time you get ready to do what God has assigned you to do, your brokenness manifests itself. And you can't do it. You start it, but you don't finish. You begin, but you don't end. It's a sign of your dysfunction. Broken people, like broken toys, are often displaced and sometimes discarded. There's some people that walked out of your life because they couldn't handle your brokenness. And I don't say that to be critical of you. I say that to say, but there are people that are going to love you through your brokenness. And, 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 and I need you to hear this because this is a word of prophecy. God is assigning people to your life that will not abandon you, but will stand with you until God puts you back together. How you know that? How you know that? Because you're looking at a man. You're looking at a man that was broken in his youth. My relationship with my father broke me. It left me needy. It left me unwanted. It left me feeling unloved. And almost to the point that I really became so attached that I couldn't even handle transitions because all of the feelings of abandonment came back to the surface. See, and, and, and I don't, everybody is looking at me funny, but if you've had a relationship that didn't turn out the way you wanted to turn out, it leaves an impact on you. And, and that's why it's not enough just to end the relationship. When you end it, you got to go to God and say, Lord, heal me. Come on, somebody. Heal me. Because if you don't get healed, you're going to take that same brokenness into the next connection. Some people, so, oh God, can I help somebody here? Some of you, your spouse is paying for what your lover did. Now, hopefully you didn't have the spouse and the lover at the same time. But some of you are paying as a spouse for what your lover did. Your, your lover messed over you. So you are always critical of your spouse. When in reality, God sent you that person because they're not going to do what the other person did. And that's why Isaiah said, remember not the former things. Saints, you got to teach yourself how to forget some stuff sometimes. 
No matter how painful it was, no matter how bad it hurt, you got to train yourself to forget about it. Yes, I lived it, but I can't let what I live hinder me right now. God, give me the grace to forget. Oh, hallelujah. Broken people, like broken toys, are sometimes dangerous. You know, you don't pick up shattered toys because they got jagged edges. And the edges will cut you. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all got jagged edges. And whenever people get close to you, they get cut. Come on, somebody. You know, you, you say, you know. They, 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 they say hello, and you got a negative response to hello. They say, how you doing? Why you want to know? You don't really care about me. Well, if I didn't care, I wouldn't have asked. But because you're broken, they get those jagged edges. And the intent of this message is very simple. The Lord said to me, broken People have to be healed. Oh, hallelujah. Just grab somebody by the hand and say, broken people have to be healed. Now, healing is sometimes instantaneous, but sometimes it's a process. Bishop Calloway said this last night, that in the process of him going back and forth, from Martinsville to West Virginia, God started healing his body. And, and some of us take these sabbaticals and just cut out everybody in life. You know, for this season, I'm cutting off everybody. I'm cutting out everybody. I'm not talking to nobody. I'm not relating to anybody. And you know what? That's not healthy because some of the people in your life, God has planted to help you heal. And in the process of having lunch, in the process of going to the game, in the process of singing in the choir, in the process of teaching Sunday school, you discover the Lord is healing me. And what hurt you before doesn't hurt you as bad as it used to hurt you because the Lord is healing you. Anybody here ever been hurt? Anybody here ever been hurt? Then just touch somebody and say, the Lord is healing me. Oh, hallelujah. I, I don't have to tell you my business, but the Lord is healing me. I don't need to give you the gory details, but the Lord is healing me. And, and, and healing, if we are going to be the instruments of healing, we have to become truly loving people. I'm going to say it again. If we're going to be the instruments of healing, we have to become a church of truly loving people. Because love does more to heal than anything else. Because what happens when a person is broken is that they really feel like nobody can be trusted. Anybody ever felt like that? You know, David said it. I said in my haste, all men are lives. And where did that come from? It came from the fact that David was hurt. And he was so hurt, he said, you know what? I ain't trusting anybody. And, and y'all can sit here and look at me funny, but every time that scripture is read, everybody says, amen, all men are liars. 
Everybody start nodding. Half of y'all start quickening. All men are liars. But it came out of the hurt that David was living with. Healing is indeed the will of God for his people. The text in St. Luke takes us to a story of Jesus talking with a lawyer. And this man was astute. He was an expert in the law. He understood the law. And he was talking not so much for insight, but trying to kind of quiz Jesus, because he had heard all this stuff about him and what he was able to do. So let me just quiz him and see if he really knows his stuff. So he asked him a question, what does it take to inherit eternal life? In other words, if I want to go to heaven, what do I have to do? And Jesus said, well, what does the law say? What does the word say? And he quotes from the scripture, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And this scripture, to me, if you don't have it underlined in your Bible, you ought to underline it. If it's, not, if, if it's not bold, it ought to be bold. Because you can take all of this book, believe it or not, and wrap it up in those two verses of Scripture. That are made, if you really want to go to heaven, you got to learn how to love God and love people. Okay. Only half of y'all believe that. If you really want to go to heaven, you got to learn how to love God and love people. And your love for God cannot be the love that we see sometimes among believers because a lot of us have a very part-time, circumstantial, situational love for God. You got to love him in your best days. You got to love him on your worst days. You got to love him when things go well. You got to love him when things are not going so well. If you love him, you just love him. Isn't it ironic? Isn't it ironic that everybody wants unconditional love from God, but we give him situational love. We want God to love us no matter what we're doing. Come on, somebody. We hope that he'll love us. If I'm in church, Lord, love me. Love me, love me, love me. If I'm in the street, I'm still hoping you love me. I know I'm out here in the street, but I need you to love me out here in the street. If we're in the wrong bed, Lord, please love me until I get out of this wrong bed. Come on, somebody. Now, y'all looking at me funny, but that's what we think even if we don't say it. That we want from God, in fact, we celebrate often God's unconditional love. Anybody know you weren't worthy of God's love, but he loved you anyhow? And we celebrate that unconditional love. But don't you think God wants from us the same love that he's given us? You say, well, 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 God ain't sinning. But when God doesn't do for you what you think he's supposed to do, most of us change up on him. I'm preaching hard right now. I got you. As long as he's blessing me. Hallelujah. Glory. God, I love you. One more day. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you. But let stuff go south. Let him not do for you what you want him to do. And we shut down on God. But if your love is real, you have to love him 
on your worst days. Oh, hallelujah. You got to love him when you don't feel good and when things aren't going perfectly. And so I need somebody in here right now that has an unconditional love for God just to open your mouth and tell him you love him right now. In fact, I need the person in here that is having some difficulty to open your mouth right now and give God the best praise you can give him. Because in spite of my difficulty, I still love. I still love. I still love. I'm dealing with stuff I don't understand. But God, I still love you. See, you know what the Bible says? Oh, God, this is going to help somebody. All things work together for the good to them that what? Love. Love. Even your negative stuff, I'm talking to somebody, is going to work out for you. Because in the midst of all of it, you never stop loving God. You loved him broke. You loved him sick. You loved him grieving. You loved him angry. You loved him when things weren't going well. You loved him when people were lying on you. You loved him when you were in the storm. And all things are going to work for you because you love God. And all the called according to his purpose. So... He says, love the Lord, but then you got to love people. Now, stand up, Geneva. Stand up, baby. Stand up, Reggie. Where are you? These are my children. These are my biological children. And you can never say to me, Pastor Davis, I love you. And you diss my kids. I don't care how many anniversaries you came to, how much money you gave me. If you diss my kids, I'm going to question the value of our relationship. Because my kids are an extension of me. You can't love Jesus and not love his kids. So if you're walking around saying, I love the Lord, but the saints I can't stand, there is something wrong with that relationship. And if I can really help you, guess what? You one of the kids. How you gonna love God and diss your siblings? How you gonna love God like that? got folk loving God. I love God. I love God. I can't stand them saints in my church. But you love God? And they were made in the image of God? If you look past their flesh, you will see God's image in them. When people look at Reggie, they say, Lord, you look like your daddy. When they look like at Geneva, they say, Lord, you look like your mama. You look like your mama and your daddy and your grandmama Geneva. You know, Geneva is just a compilation of a lot of folk. All right? But the point I'm making is if you look past flesh, come on, somebody. 
you will see God in the saints. Come on, somebody. And if you can't see God in the saints, it's because you ain't looking at nothing but the flesh. I know. Can I help y'all? I know all of y'all are better when you're in the spirit. That's why I keep telling y'all, stay out of the flesh and stay in the spirit. Because we all look better. Y'all ain't saying nothing when we are in the spirit. When we get in the flesh, every kind of thing comes out of us. That's why, Lord, I want you to live in me, and I need you to live through me. So when people see me, they don't see me. They see you. So the lawyer, and I'm getting ready. I'm going to have to break this up. Come back to it next time. But you are not whole if you lack the capacity to love. That is a, and that probably is the greatest indicator of the brokenness in people. Because they're so broken that their love doesn't work anymore. You know somebody's broken when their love stops working. They shouting, but they can't love anybody. Running around, speaking in tongues. And they even lose their identity with Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. And he didn't mention speaking in tongues. He didn't mention shouting and jumping. He didn't mention running around the church. He said, you will know it because they have love one to another. Now, that word matters because we, we say love one for. And you know what? You can have $1,000 for me, but I never get it. That I am in no way enriched by that. And you keep telling me, I got something for you, Pastor. I got something. I'm like, oh, I wish to God you'd give it to me if you got it for me. I need it today. So you can't have love for me and it never get to me. That's like writing a letter and never putting it in the mail. I never get it so it doesn't do me any good. For love to work, it has to be given to me. So, Bible says, Jesus says, well, the lawyer asked him, Lord, who is my neighbor? And he asked that question because he, like most of us, want to pick the people that we are assigned to love. I'm preaching hard today. Y'all can sit here and look at me. I'm glad y'all jumped and shouted and ran and swung on the lights because I need y'all to hear this today. We have this bad habit of only picking those that suit us to love. And we pick the people that we think can do something for us. Oh, God. When was the last time you picked somebody to pour love into? I don't want anything. I'm not asking for anything. But God has assigned me to pour something into you because it's my assignment to love you. We pick our friends. We pick our friends based on who has the same taste that we have, 
who likes the same things that we like. Who, and, and we pick our friends on who can give us some of the best gifts. Come on, somebody. We write out our Christmas list, and we don't write the names of folks that ain't got no money. We write the names of folks that got something, because you know what? When I give it, I want something to come back to me. But when was the last time you just wanted to love on somebody just so you can show them the love of God? Tell somebody, if you had to pick me, you don't really love me. So he tells a story. Certain man comes down Jericho Road. Jericho Road was notorious for being a place for cutthroats and thieves and robbers to run and attack. And he finds this man, um, come here, Elvis Dokes, finds this man on the road, and the thieves meet him on the road. They strip him. They cut him. They wound him, and they leave him. They leave him half dead on the Jericho Road. Some of you had folks strip you of stuff. We don't talk about this, but there's a lot of broken people in church. Some of them abused. Some of them molested. Some of them attacked. And everything they did was designed to strip you of who you were supposed to be in Christ. The devil wants more than anything else. The devil wants your identity. So if I can strip you of who you are, then no matter how blessed you are, you will never celebrate it because you were stripped of who you are supposed to be. Leaves him. Leaves him bleeding. Leaves him wounded. Leaves him broken. He is so broken he cannot get up. And so here comes the priest. Come on, priest. On his way, either he's coming from the temple, on his way to the temple. The priest, now you can't walk down the road and not see what's on the road, right? But this priest sees this wounded man, and literally he was on this side when he saw him, but he moved to this side and passed by him. Kept on walking. Keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. Keep walking, keep walking. Then here comes the Levite. Trail, get a tambourine. Come here. Quick, 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 quick. Levite just coming from leading worship. Come, coming from leading worship. All right, Levite, play the tambourine. Just enjoying the Lord, leading worship. Sees him, goes and looks at him. people that will get in your business to look at your business but never do anything about it. Watch the folk that want to talk to you about what you're going through but never offer a solution. They're just there to report what they can hear but they ain't got no answers. Because in fact, they've already told their friend, I'm going to ask them, and then I'm going to call you back. 
They just come to look. They don't come to help. Ask your neighbor, are you here to look or are you here to help? The Samaritan who is, listen to me, Samaritans were outcasts because they were part of Israel that separated after the great divide, after the death of Solomon. They left the worship, they left the fellowship, they left the sacrifice, and the Jews were commanded to have no dealings with Samaritans. They were called infidels. They were called dogs. They were complete rejects. But I came to tell somebody, sometimes the best people to love are the folk that understand rejection. When you know what it feels like, when you know what it feels like to be cast aside, to be thrown aside, to be rejected by people, it changes. So the Samaritan, who's supposed to be an infidel, stops and lifts up the man. Stay right here, stay right here. Because you just got hurt. I can't take care of just yet. Then the Bible says, he binds up. Give me a cloth, Trail. He binds up his wounds. And he pours wine. And he pours oil. The wine is symbolic of the blood. Because there is healing virtue in the blood of Jesus. Come on, lay your hand on somebody. Say the blood of Jesus. Then he pours oil into his wound. And the oil symbolizes the Holy Ghost. Baby, if you want to get healed, get you some blood and get you some oil. Get you some oil. And watch God heal the wound that is in your spirit. He lifts him up. He takes him to the inn, and he leaves, he puts them there in the inn, and he takes care of them. Can I tell you one problem with the church? We bring folk to the inn and forget them. You don't bring folk in church and forget them. You stay with them while God heals them. You stay with them while God restores them. Now, he takes care of him, but he has to leave. But he tells the innkeeper, he says, come here. Come here, innkeeper. I got to go, but here's my credit card. Whatever he needs, put it on that bill. And if it's not enough, when I come back, I'm going to take care of it. Oh, hallelujah. You know what that is? That's Jesus saying, I have put people into your hands. I need you to take care of the people that are in your hands. But when I come back, no matter what it costs you, I'm going to pay you for what you do. Oh, God, stop looking for people to pay you back. Stop looking for people to pay you what they owe. There's a God in heaven that sits high and looks low. And whatever is right, he's going to pay. Oh, Oh, God, I, I got to close. 
My time is up. You were a good victim. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, God. Hallelujah. But here's the message. There are broken people all in your life. And if you would tell the truth, you are one of the broken. Come on, tell somebody, I'm one of the broken. Oh, hallelujah. I know what it's like to be hurt. I know what it's like to be wounded. But Jesus, pick me up. Jesus, turn me around. Jesus, deliver me. Jesus, heal me. When I thought I wouldn't live, Jesus, poured blood in my wound, poured oil in my wound and restored my life anybody here been delivered clap your hands shout hallelujah Thank you so much for joining us. You are welcome to fellowship with Pastor Reginald Davis and the Refuge Temple Church family on Sundays, 9 a.m. prayer, 10 a.m. Christian education and Bible study, 11 a.m. morning worship and children's church, 4.30 p.m. evening worship, Monday, 6.30 p.m. prayer, Wednesdays, 12 p.m. noonday prayer, Wednesdays, 7 p.m., prayer and Bible study. Friday, 7 p.m., prayer, worship, and the word. Again, come and join us and be blessed. Until next time.